This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. For over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their referral business. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show because I read your book. I, I don't remember. It was a few years ago. And I remember when someone gifted me the book. And I'm like, this book is so thin. What can I possibly learn from it? Oh, my goodness. This book is so powerful. But for the two or three listeners who go, the go-giver, what is that? Tell us what the underlying principle of the book is. <laughs> well, thanks. That's a nice compliment. I'm sure there's more than two or three, but that's very nice to uh, to hear. Very kind of you. It's a, a parable uh, co-authored with John David Mann, who's a wonderful writer and storyteller. I'm, I'm more of a how-to, step-by-step kind of guy. And the, the basic premise, Mark, is simply that shifting your focus, and this is really where it all begins, uh, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some way out there, woo-woo, you know, kind of magical, mystical reasons. It actually makes very logical sense. It's very rational. When you're that person who is able to take your focus off yourself and place it on serving others, discovering what they want, what they need, what they desire, helping them to, to overcome their challenges, being focused on helping bring them closer to happiness, if you will, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you if, if that's appropriate. And they definitely want to tell others about you. When I first heard the term givers get, I'm 56 now. This is many years ago. I never understood that. I'm like, givers get, what do you mean? And the more I studied it, I'm like, oh, so the more you give, it tends to flow back to you. The I heard Dave Ramsey share a story. He's talking about finances, obviously. And he's saying, if you hold $5 in your fist and you're clenching that $5 so tight, well, not only can that not leave, but more money can't come in. But if you have your fist open in an open palm, the money can go and money can come. And, and so I do understand now that givers truly do get. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I, I think the, the, the big thing is for people, because when they, when they do hear the term go giver, it, it kind of sounds sort of esoteric and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that there is a philosophy behind it with a, with a strategy and there, and it is. And it's not that you give in order only to receive. You give because it's congruent with your value system to do that. You want to bring value to others, to others personally, as well as in the marketplace. And when you do that, you create that benevolent context for success to be able to receive. But that's also where the fifth law, the law of receptivity comes into play, which says key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Because let's face it, the the way the world operates and the messages we receive from the world around us in terms of money, prosperity, abundance, and business is very negative. You know, you, you, you look at, you, you hear people talk, you, you, you go on social media, you hear the campaigns and it's as low, you know, if you've made a lot of money, you did it on the backs of others or by 
you know, by um, some nefarious means or you've taken advantage. Now, it's a big world. Of course, there are people who do things we would not like and so forth. But in a free market-based economy, and when I say free market, I simply means no one is forced to do business with anyone else. Mm -hmm. The only way, the only way you can earn a lot of money is by providing immense value to the lives of lots of people, placing their interest first, because remember, they're not buying for your sake, they're buying for their sake, but coming at it congruently, authentically, and then being open to receive. And we need to be able to be open to receive that. Why do you think people tend not to be givers? I mean, I know a lot of givers, obviously, you know, a lot of givers, but there are a lot of people in our world who are more hoarders. They, they want everything for themselves there. I don't know if I can use the word narcissistic. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't know that most people are necessarily, or, or most people aren't. I mean, I think human nature is human nature, and there are all sorts of, of, of people and, you know, who operate in different ways. And it, it really is, is all a result of our personal belief systems. And those belief systems were kind of given to us long before we were able to be in a position to think critically and question premises and and ask, is this the right way to be? So you think about it, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, all these shape our basic set of beliefs. But by the time we're a little more than toddlers, our 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 foundational belief system has pretty much been set and set in stone mm. and everything that comes into our lives after that for most, not for everyone, but for most people just kind of adds on to that, that foundation. So most people live their lives subject to what I call an unconscious operating system, believing that they're make, making choices based on conscious thought and free will when really they're operating within a, a premise a, a matrix, if you will, like the first movie, the main, not the other ones, but the first matrix movie, the good one, and where we're not even, you know, aware of it. So until we're able to, to understand this and then take steps to, to take that awareness to the next level and actually learn these things, we operate based on what we've been taught. So if a person's brought up to believe, well, this is a dog eat dog world where everybody's out after you and trying to take advantage of you. So you better just get what you can and don't worry about. Well, that's pretty much what a person's going to do. If they're brought up in a world that says, you know, if you want to, to do very well, have a lot of love in your life and money in your life and friendship in your life and great relationship, what you need to do is focus on being of value to other people and giving to them. Well, then that's what you're going to do. And so I, I think it all begins really with just our belief systems. And one of the, the neat things we can do is just try to assist others in understanding that maybe there's a way they can increase their own level of happiness and personal success, you know, through a different way of doing things. Let's say someone's listening to this episode and they identify as someone who's not a giver and they say, okay, Bob, what can I start doing today in order to make that shift? from being selfish to being a giver, what are some simple things that you would suggest they do? So the first thing I would do is I would congratulate them for, for seeing this and for now being conscious of it and saying, you know, maybe there's another way of doing things. Okay. So just like Pindar, the main mentor in the story told Joe, the protege, you know, I'll teach you all five of these laws. However, the one condition is that you've got to apply them, mm. each and every one of them, that very day or that very night before you go to bed. Because it's not just knowing, it's also doing. And you don't have to do it perfectly. 
but you need to make the effort to to do that. That's why we say we like people to be go-getters, people of action, as well as go-givers, people who are focused on creating value for others. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker, right? Just as the, as you were talking about. So so yeah, so it's it's first understanding the issue, taking steps to do it, and and then saying to yourself, okay, how can I make myself of value to other people? What can I do? Can I can I hold the door open for someone? Can I pour coffee for someone? Can I provide some information to someone? Can I make an introduction of, of someone to someone else who I know they'd both benefit? each other? Can I have a kind word, an empathetic ear? Can I give some information? What can I do to give value to others without any attachment to receiving anything back? Not because I expect I'm going to receive or, or I might, but, that, but not with that expectation necessarily, not with that attachment, but just doing it to practice. Okay. We can always find ways to add value to another person's life. It does not have to be anything huge. But just like anything else, you know, you don't, if you want to be a weightlifter, you don't start out by lifting 300 pounds. You Mm. start out by lifting 10 pounds and then, you know, build on your small successes and go up to 15, 20. And as what happens is as you give to others, and by the way, and this is important, the next step is keeping in mind that when you give, as I said, give value to others, you always have to understand that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Mm. So it's not what you think is of value or what I think is of value or what you or I think they should think is of value. It's what they value. We do that by asking questions and listening <laughs> and and determining and discovering and so forth. And and, and so when we do that, now we're taking another step toward effective giving, doing so in a way that makes that other person feel good about themselves and feel good about you. Mm-hmm. You know, the next step, lot to, you know, touch the lives of, of a lot more people. How do you do that? Well, you've done it for one person. Do it again. So in other words, these are how we start the process. The other day, I happened to see a post on LinkedIn from Sarah Blakely. She created Spanx, uh, sure. multi-billionaire young lady, mm-hmm. and she was sharing her post was about her love of notebooks. And I love notebooks. I, I'm 56, I said earlier, and I like writing things in my bullet journal. And a lot of people commented. And what I did is I started the conversation with a lot of these people just saying, oh, what kind of notebook do you have? And then they started saying, well, what kind of notebook do you have? And I said, well, I use this because of this reason. And I wasn't out there to try to promote your, my business or brand. I was just adding value to the conversation. And I mm-hmm. made a lot of friends as a result of yeah. that. I didn't yeah. go in with That's any great. expectation of getting something. I wanted to help the conversation. That's basically what you're saying, correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you give without attachment, yet you know that the more value, and this is just a law of life, the more value you provide to others, the more you are going to receive. Mm. You know, you, you you really, you can't help it. The only way you can not receive is to not allow yourself to receive. Can you say that again? Because I want to make sure the listener doesn't miss that. <laughs> well, you know, when you give and you give value to others and you give value to others in a way that they see it as being of value and you keep doing that, you don't do it with the attachment mm. of receiving. Okay. But you will receive. It's just a law of life. And the only way that you cannot receive as a result of doing that is if you do not allow yourself to receive. Wow. Allowing yourself to receive. Now, I went through a period of time in my life where I felt really awkward if people would send me something like as a podcast mm-hmm. host, you know, a lot of guests will send me their books or they'll send me like a package of goodies or something like that. In the beginning, I felt really weird. I'm like, I just invited you on my show. But then I realized that they were doing it because they were appreciative. They were giving me a gift as a thank you for having me 
on for having them on my show. But I had to go through, a, a, I don't know, several months. I felt very awkward because I wasn't mm-hmm. allowing their yeah. gift into my world. It was something they wanted to do. It wasn't a requirement, requirement to be on the show. Do you find that people struggle with that? Oh, yeah. And I and I have myself and I had to work on that myself. Again, there's there's many reasons for for not for you know for not feeling comfortable with the receiving process. They they all come to, they, they they all tend to come down to an unconscious belief system. Okay? We're not even aware of why. We know we feel uncomfortable, but we're not sure of why. It's like when someone offers to pay for dinner or even pay for that cup of coffee. Oh, no, no. Or how about when someone pays a compliment? Oh, no, no. Instead of, "Oh, thank you. I appreciate that." Right. Yeah. And it's something we deal with. And again, because what's what are those uh, I'm dating myself here, but tapes going on in our head? What, what's the audio guy should say going on, you know, in our uh, in our head? Oh, it's not polite to just, you know, uh, receive something or or maybe you haven't earned that right or maybe you're not worthy of that or maybe uh, it's going to be expected of you that you do. That. Yeah, again, there's there's many things in, in many situations that all, all depends. So I think what we need to do is you know, ask ourselves, so what is appropriate to receive? Is there any reason not received? If I'm, if I'm having trouble accepting this compliment or this gift, why is that? You know, let's check our premises and let's, let's dig deep into it. And when we do that, now we're being conscious of the situation and we have a chance to really get to the root. Now, I'll say this, not every gift that someone gives you is something you have to feel is a good thing. Okay. So in other words, remember values in the eyes of the beholder. I don't know if you ever read the book, five love languages yes. by Dr. Gary Chapman to yes. me, one of the best books on human nature and understanding that I've ever read in my life. Mm-hmm. And as you recall, he talked about the five ways we understand love. Okay. And it can be, you know, physical touch. It can be quality time. It can be words of affirmation. It it can be, um, gifts. It can be, and I'm trying to think of the uh, the other one now, uh, acts of service. Yes. Okay. So, okay. And, and what happens is uh, now we may appreciate on a certain level, all of those at certain times, but we usually have one or two that are stronger than the others. Okay. And, and maybe one or two that we just don't find value in. And what, so what happens, you know, his premise was that there can be a relationship where, you know, one person Let's say their love language is, is gifts. They love receiving gifts. Now, because they love receiving gifts, they assume the other person loves receiving <laughs> gifts, right? Again, it's our belief yep. systems, and we tend to believe that other people see the world the way we do. This is all unconscious, okay? And so they give gifts to their spouse, except for her love language is words of affirmation. She doesn't care about gifts. So he can't, you know, and so she just does, she, she, she doesn't care about physical gifts. She, she loves to be told how wonderful she is or, or how special she is or be thanked for doing that, whatever it happens to be. And, and so he can't understand why she just does not seem, you know, fired up and lit up about those gifts. And he feels unappreciated. She can't understand why when she gives him words of affirmation, but not gifts, he thinks she doesn't really love him because if she did, she would get right. Okay. Well, it's the same thing. We don't always like the same thing. I, for, so for example, with me, I am not a gift person. I, they get in my way. They clog out my house. I don't really, I just don't need them. I, they typically gifts just don't physical gifts. I mean, okay. But I, but acts of service is a big thing for me. That when someone does something uh, nice for me, that's a, to me, that is like a way that I really find value. And that's probably why as a buyer, I'm a convenience buyer. 
So when someone tries to sell me on just low price, it's not that I want to pay more for something than I have to, but that's probably the least important. My thing is, is it convenient? You know, so, uh, uh, you know, because that's kind of how I'm, I'm built. That's how, so in other words, we don't have to necessarily be mad at ourselves if we don't feel, now we're going to still be polite to the person, of course, who sends it and say, oh, thank you so much. Of course, we're not going to hurt someone's feelings unnecessarily, but we can allow ourselves to not feel really appreciative if it's something that we don't find to be of value. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. The reason why I was laughing when you were talking there is because my love language is gifts and my wife's is time. Okay. Ah, right. Sure. And and I could buy her the Hope Diamond. She goes, no, I'd rather just sit with you for exactly. a couple minutes. Like, but you can't buy that at the store. Would it drive you crazy? <laughs> so it's funny when it comes like uh-huh. Christmas time around our house. There's a lot of presents on the tree for me, but she doesn't want presents. She said, okay, just give me an hour of your time. Exactly. I'm like, but Amazon doesn't sell that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Got to be more creative with that one, right? And so, but here's the thing. That's respecting her. Mm -hmm. And so when you do carve out that time, that's an expression of love that she sees, right? That's a gift. You know, that that's her gift. You know, that's her love language. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. So we so that's that's why I think it's always so very important. And this is, you know, in, in, in sales, you, you, you know, you, you see someone presenting their product or service and they talk about certain benefits. But do you know if that benefit is is what mm-hmm. that client is interested? Maybe they're interested in some other benefit of what you do or your product or service. The only way you can know is to ask and really listen. But it's always about them. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make. And I certainly made when I started in my business is I didn't ask people what problems they were having. I just decided, you know, I, I fell into the, of the, the challenge of if I build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And I built these products in crickets because it's like the marketplace said, we didn't ask you for that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a real thing. People are creating before they're asking and Ah. we should reverse it and say, okay, marketplace, what can I, how can I serve you? And then when they say, okay, here's our answer, then you create the product and then you'll have a blockbuster hit. But if you create the product first, now you're guessing at what the Mm -hmm. marketplace wants. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like your expertise with productivity. One person can define productivity in a certain way that someone else, it may not be as important. Mm -hmm. So when you so when you discover what it is that that person needs to be more productive about and you can help them take away everything that keeps them from doing that now that's a different thing but you know it, it it's sort of uh you know it's the old story about whether you you know read books or watch TV or something like that which is more productive well it, it depends if you're watching a TV show because you just you just need some time to just relax and veg out. That can be the most productive thing you can do, even <laughs> though people like you and me, we would usually say read a book if you yeah. want to be productive, you know. And so it it always depends on the the context, the reasons, the the individual themselves. But unless we ask and we really go deep, we can never really know. For the longest time, I would refer to myself as a productivity expert. And then one day it hit me and I said, no one's ever called me 
DM me on social media and says, I need to be more productive. What they kept saying is, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. And so I'm like, oh, isn't that fascinating? So I was talking in French and they were talking in Spanish and we couldn't understand each other. Yeah. And and yet, look what you did, though. You were able to turn that around. And once you knew that, now your focal point was on what was their mm-hmm. you know, issue. So how could you bring more value to them, even even when it came to just framing it differently? Yep. Because that was what was going to hit them in a way that they understood it and they found it to be of value. Well, as we come to the end of our episode today, is there anything on your heart that you would like to share with the listeners? I always like to give my guests this opportunity because there may be something that you really feel compelled to share with us. Well, I mean, I, I think it's it's that as we build business, build a business, regardless of what we're doing, I remember something a mentor of mine from many years, almost 40 years ago said to me, and this is when I was, you know, I'd been in sales a couple of years. I had really studied sales. I'd worked at it, was doing pretty well with it, but I, I joined a, a, a different company and I was selling a, a, a high ticket items, great product, but I was in a slump. And I couldn't get out of that slump. And and the more of a slump I was in, the more I was focused on myself and making the sale instead of being focused on my prospective customers and how I could serve them. Uh, kind of a rookie mistake. You know, two years into the business, it's something young salespeople, I guess, will do. Fortunately, there was a gentleman at the company, older guy who he wasn't even in the sales department. He was, I think, in the engineering department and just a great guy. Didn't say much, but whenever he did say something, it was always profound. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he saw me as as Joe, the you know, and the protagonist and the go giver who I would later uh, write about with John David Mann. He saw me as the young, ambitious, up and coming, aggressive, you know, but a salesperson who had potential, but was not in any way fulfilling that potential because his focus was in the wrong place, just like Joe's at the beginning of the story. And he said to me, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I, can I give you some advice? And I said, yes, absolutely. Please do. I, I need it. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Mm. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money and you can do with that money, whatever you choose, but never forget. He said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And you know what that really said to me, Mark, was that great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service, as important as those are. Great salesmanship is about the other person. Great salesmanship is about adding exceptional value to the lives of those you you touch. It's really great salesmanship at its essence is another person's life being better just because you are part of it. Hmm. And I think that when we approach sales that way, I think we're really nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. That I'm so glad you shared that with us because that is, that's a mic drop moment. I mean, that is powerful because when we all start sales or you start your own business, you think the world revolves around you, but <laughs> the client or the prospect doesn't think that they think the world revolves around them. And so you have two people thinking the world revolves around each other and nothing happens. So I want to encourage people. I I've got to go reread the go giver book because just talking to you 
made me realize I have to go back. Now, I'm certainly more of a giver than I used to be in my 40s and 30s. I think as you get older, you get wiser. Mm -hmm, Is mm -hmm. that true? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm older than you are. I'm not wiser than you are, but I am older than you are. And I will tell you, you do get wiser. I I know if I could only go back and uh, talk to that 18-year-old Bob Berg, I would probably say, Berg, shut up and listen, because you don't know half of what you think you know. And the other half just ain't so, right? Like Mark Twain used to say. (laughs) Yep, yep. And I remember remember the first time I read The Go-Giver, and I'm like, a quick book. And back then I was addicted to how many books I read in the year. I wasn't really paying attention. And I remember reading it page turn and page turn and page turn. All of a sudden my brain goes, stop. You're not, you're not paying attention to the lesson. This is, yeah, the story, but there's a lot of lessons in there. And so I encourage whoever goes out and gets this book, intentionally read it slower, read it with a pen, read it with a highlighter because there's so much, so many lessons in here. And if you just read it for a story, it's like the book of Jonah in the Bible. I just read it again. I read the Bible every year. And this time I read it with the aid of my life application Bible. So I was reading all the footnotes and I'm like, it's not a story about a guy being eaten by a whale. There's so much to it in the same with your story. There is so much more to it. Gift yourself, dear listener, please don't rush through this book. Well, you know, something that's, that's, you know, quite a compliment coming from you because I know you're very, very, you're, as we'd say in the story, stratospherically successful. (laughs) And so I, I appreciate that compliment. I was very fortunate to have a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a great co-author, John David Mann, who just has a way with words that is is out of my I won't even say league I I would say out of my yeah I'd say not ballpark out of my league so it was really an honor to have a you know an opportunity to uh you know I learned from him every time we write a book together I learned from him now is the uh, is there an audio book of this version? Yeah, all the books in the series. There are four books in the Go Giver series. Three of them are parables, and uh, each of them, John and I take turns reading chapters. Oh, great! I was going to ask you because you have a great voice, and I said I oh, really right. hope that you read the book because if you ever listen to Malcolm Gladwell when he reads his audio books. Oh my gosh, you're like, you're in the story and you have yeah, that kind of yeah, voice. Yeah. So I'm glad you oh, read it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I actually, it's funny. I, I have read some audio books, but I'm much more of a, a hard copy book yes. reader. I just, there's something about a book I love to have in yes. my hands and, and so forth. But, but yeah, I've heard his is, is fantastic. And there's just some, you know, there, there are some, some great audio books out there. I've had the opportunity to, 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 to listen to when I drive. I just about 99% of the time, it's just, to have that book in that hand is, I, but I, again, I'm 63, right? I'm old school. So I, you know, I'm the same way. I mean, I will listen to an audio book on my daily run because it's very difficult to read. Oh a yeah. Print well, that's book. right. 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 But I always buy print books and people go, Mark, it's 2021. Get an ebook. I did that. <laughs> I did that. I'm like you. I like holding a book yeah. and I will, I'm a self-confessed book smeller. So when I get a book, I love the smell of books. New I books do, oh books. my gosh. I, I do that the same thing. It's it's so funny because there's there's books. I've got some books in back of me that are from like the nineteen high, early nineteen hundred and wow. you know, eighteen hundreds. And those have that old book yep. smell. And <laughs> people are listening to this thing, these guys are crazy. Okay. But there's something about that smell of a book, those it's just, you know, that it's it's just so cool. Excellent. Well, Bob, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. They can go get your book literally anywhere. It's everywhere in the world. It's probably in airport stores. (laughs) If they sell books, your book is going to be there. Pick up the book. It'll be life-changing. Thank you so much for being on the show today, sir. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.